Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Good afternoon, good evening to you all. It's wonderful to be with you as always. I'm David Spizak, and I'm very, very much uh, appreciative of you taking the time to hang out with us here at Breakfast with Champions. Um, so, what an interesting topic, isn't it? Uh, this is how legends are made. And I'm hoping to be able to uh, call on a few people. Just I want to start out in the first 10, 15 minutes by asking some people on the stage if you could call out um, somebody that you think, somebody well-known that, that most or all of the audience here, all of us would have heard of. Um, that you would consider a legend and why you consider them a legend. And then I'm going to use that as a jumping off point to share with you, to share with everybody here, how anybody and everybody can become a legend or more importantly, have a legendary life. A legendary life is a noteworthy, a very memorable life. And that is what everybody wants, right? A life of happiness, a life of joy, 
a life of peace, a life of harmony, a life of fulfillment, and a life of success. So let's start out by asking people on the stage. Uh, and by the way, if anybody wants to jump onto this stage, I want you to please take the time to just simply raise your hand. I see Lexi Love and I see Prince uh, Hamden. Uh, I'm going to bring you guys up on the stage right now. And before we do that, uh, if you'd be so kind, we've got 179 very, very nice, cool people who have taken the time to share this room out on Clubhouse. We have currently 173 people in the room, and we would love to get some more people in here to hang out with us at the breakfast table. So if you'd take the time to share that out, man, we just popped to 180. Let's keep that going. It would be awesome to get more people in here. Um, and thank you. Thank you, Christina, as always for popping my link up, up the top there. Um, so, all right. So anybody on the stage, please share with me who you Phil Jackson. Think. Who? Phil Jackson. Phil Jackson. Who said that? Shantae. Woo! Shantae, what's going on? How are you? I am lovely. Thank you so much, David. I love your segments. You are lovely, Shantae. Now, Shantae, why do you feel, what is it that made uh, you think that that Phil Jackson is a legend. What made him a legend? One, because he, not only his personal journey, but he revolutionized. Like I was in sports medicine at the time where he was in, you know, his his peak and heyday. And he took to, to be able to make someone like Cole and somebody like Michael Jordan coachable and to bring meditation in at a time where that was considered, if you know, like I know, David, in the 80s, 90s, early 2000s, people thought like you were Looney Tunes. So he is legendary. <laughs> you know what's so funny is that you bring that up and it's, it is that the, the, what's so funny is that people, here's a guy who had already himself as being a fantastic coach by taking Jordan and the Bulls uh, not one, not two, not three, multiple times to the championship. And even he faced scrutiny uh, about his, his, the Zen part of Phil Jackson. So, all right. So we've got Phil Jackson is on the board. Who else? Give me another one. Oprah Winfrey. Oh, that's a great one. Tell me why in your mind, first of all, who is this? This is Jackie. Hey, Jackie, hey, how are you? Amazing. Thank you. Uh, yeah, Oprah, just in herself, she's just a brand all by herself. Um, and kind of what the last person said, um, she just paved the way for so many. Um, and she, she even through her own journey, her own struggle, she made it against all odds. I mean, she's truly set the example for those of us that are following, you know, and to see her life is just so amazing. Now she's living the life and, and, and that she could be proud of. And so that's an amazing legacy to leave. Okay, great. All right, so I need another one. So we've got Oprah, who's uh, in entertainment. We've got Phil Jackson is one one great example uh, of many in sports. Oprah's one great example, perhaps one of the greatest examples when it comes to entertainment. For anybody who has not ever taken the time to learn Oprah's story, how did Oprah get there? Uh, and one of the things I'm gonna encourage everybody today is I want to, I love demystifying success. I love demystifying happiness. I love demystifying people being able to achieve their goals. And one of the ways that you could do that is to understand the blueprint or what was the path that Phil Jackson took to become Phil Jackson or Oprah took. By the way, there's a great documentary uh, that kind of brings this to light. It's about Warren Buffett. Um, and he is certainly a legend when it comes to investing. But what I like about this documentary is the title. It's called Becoming Warren Buffett. How did Warren Buffett become Warren Buffett? So somebody else, give me another legend. I would say Tyler Perry to me, but I'll say he's still um, building up to legendary status. And it's, and it's a legend. How about Muhammad Ali? Tony Robbins. I like Tyler Perry. Let's let's start with each one of those. So Tyler Perry is, is very interesting because he's somebody that, um, fact of what he accomplished, 
you know, earlier in his career, he would have been considered by most people a very, very successful uh, individual. But then he didn't stop. He kept going. And he moved from one side of the camera to the other and writing, directing, producing, um, always moving forward. And he has continued to level up his game every single year. And he, he has the power, the ability to surprise people and to cross over and to get so many different people interested in what he's doing. It's pretty extraordinary. Um, and then I heard Muhammad Ali, the one and only, truly, there's a guy who has had the, the title legend thrown at him for years. So, and then I heard one more, and we'll stop. Tony Robbins. All right. So, first of all, who said Tyler Perry? I did. Who is this? Alexis. Alexis. Hey, Alexis, how are you? Fine, how are you? Wonderful. What makes Tyler a legend in your mind? So to hit on a lot of things, well, not to um, expound on everything you said, but just how he started, um, knowing his story in its entirety, knowing that he started off homeless, know that he started to do the Medea plays when he had so many people pushing back on him, don't go out as a man with a wig on. And, you know, he turned that into a, a masterpiece where Madea became a household name. His character is a household name as well as himself is a household name as well now. And he acts and he produces and he has his own studio. I mean, his story is just so great and, and awesome to me. So never give up. His stories never give up no matter what. I love that. So haven't ever kind of read up on how the machine, the entertainment machine works. It is controlled by uh, a very small uh, number of people, a very small number of incredibly powerful studios <clears throat> that for years, for decades, have completely controlled what gets made, what doesn't get made. And even people that are incredibly successful, powerful stars, have ended up with the short end of the stick. If you if you uh, listen to them, they end up with the short end of the stick. Where even if it was their project, their idea, they wrote this. They you know they want to direct it. They're going to do the whole thing, and they've had a successful career. The studios dictate what things are going to look like. The studios dictate marketing. The studios dictate how much of the project of their own project they're going to get. So can you imagine on top of everything else? Uh, that you just mentioned, you said something that's really uh, a couple things that are big. He turned Medea into not only a household name, like you said, but he turned it into one of the most successful franchises, you know, in movie history and used that as a platform, as a jumping off point that helped him ultimately get his own studio. When he gets his own studio, he gets complete control of his his projects from the creative side to producing them and everything else to the marketing so that's a big one who mentioned uh, uh muhammad ali good morning david it's eric it was me eric Arasa. good morning eric. how are you i'm doing well how are you wonderful thank you for joining tell me what in your mind made muhammad a legend well, I think that Muhammad Ali steps out beyond all of those that have been mentioned so far because the pursuit of a personal passion is one thing. That willingness to step into a space and say, I'm the greatest. All y'all can just pack it in. It's me. Guess what? And do that every day, all day, throughout a cultural convulsion, through a global situation where we're in, a, in maybe it's, we can look at the U.S. of A., we can look at war, we can look at all of these things, but it was beyond him. He didn't have a choice at that point. He was drawn by something so big that it was beyond him as a human, and it crossed over our cultural boundaries, it crossed over religious boundary, it crossed over everything. It was almost a global paradigm shift. It, it was so big. Muhammad Ali is legend. We could point to MLK, we could point to some other figures in history, but I think also, David, something to take into consideration here is timing. That Jordan was not Jordan if he's if he's in the wrong time. Ali's not Ali if he's in the wrong time. So there's something bigger than all of us that plays into this as well. But legend's a big word. That guy just steps out and grabs it by the throat. I love that. I completely agree with you. And you know, um, he Tyler Perry, um, certainly Oprah, um, 
also were huge. They played a huge role and had a huge passion and commitment for outside of their respective industry or craft because they 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 were bold and they were strong and they were brave to take on social issues. You know, Ali in his day to take on the social issues that he did was extraordinarily brave um, and bold. And he did it with such consistency and commitment and passion. And he was, you know, not just unstoppable in the ring. The dude was unstoppable outside of the ring. And I think that's one of the reasons people respect him. So, all right. So we've given some really, really good examples and people from different walks of life. So here's what I want to talk about. The topic is, this is how legends are made. And I mentioned the documentary for Warren Buffett, Becoming Warren Buffett. So how did Tony Robbins become Tony? How did Muhammad, where did that come from? And what is it that ultimately allowed them to be uh, chiseled into the legend in our minds that they were, Phil Jackson, Oprah Winfrey? So one of the things that I would say is a common thread for all of us is that I mentioned something just a few minutes ago. They were bold. They were willing to carve their own path. They were willing to go against the grain. They were willing to step outside of their comfort zone. So if you think about this, you know, Oprah's story is an extraordinary story where she fought racism. She fought abuse as a child. She was, she was uh, physically, uh, abused, sexually abused as a child. She ran away from home literally as a child. Um, she got pregnant. She lost her baby as a teenager. She ended up going to the East Coast. She wanted to be in journalism at a time that you didn't ever see uh, people of color. You didn't see a black woman in journalism uh, at that time, but she stayed the course. She was bold in her expectations. She was bold in terms of the goals and targets that she set. She was audacious um, and she had guts. And through that, she managed to get a position ultimately in journalism. That position then simply gave her the ability to get to the starting line. Think about that. All that did was allow her to get to the starting line. And then it was up to her again to be able to stand up and stand out and do extraordinary work that forced people, more than one, where they had literally no choice but to be able to consider her for bigger and better things. She ended up in Chicago, as many of you know. And you may or may not know, she ended up on a local station, regional station, and her first big opportunity was to be on a show like a Good Morning New York or Good Morning America in the Midwest. And she was coupled there with a very, very well-known uh, regional journalist, a guy. Well, the show ultimately didn't work. It, it didn't succeed. It failed. And the 100% of the failure was pinned not on him, they wanted to protect his ego, and I'm sure he did as well, but they pinned it on her. And so many people at that time, in that moment, if you think about it, somebody who wasn't a legend, what would they have done, guys? When they faced that big adversity, they got to the starting line, they broke through, they got that first really big opportunity, and then it didn't work. It was a complete flop. It was a failure. Somebody who wasn't a legend. Let's reverse engineer. They would for somebody. What would they do? They would gave up. Yes, they would have quit. How many? How sad is it to think about how many Oprahs are out there who, for whatever reason, they got on the precipice of potential success of a massive breakthrough, and then they stopped. So many of us sometime in our life, at some point in our life, have gotten within inches and then stopped. And thinking that we had two ways of thinking in that moment, guys. We had th one way of thinking of, well, I guess I've done it all. Well, well, 
I guess these people are smarter than me. I should listen to them. Well, uh, clearly this isn't the right plan. I guess that I was uh, wrong about that and I don't have the capacity to do it. And they stopped, they quit, they folded in, they, they threw in the towel. And then how sad is that? They may have been literally one step, one moment from becoming a legend. Oprah didn't stop. Oprah didn't quit. Oprah never considered what, what the outside world was trying to paint as a narrative. Oprah instead said, yeah, I don't, I don't know what you're saying, but it wasn't me. And she kept going. Now, we know how the story ends. The story ends, as far as that chapter, with her ultimately getting her own show, the Oprah Winfrey Show, at a time nobody knew who Oprah Winfrey was. And yet, she stepped into that role with such grace, with such confidence, with such authority. Do you remember, for anybody who saw those old Oprah Winfrey shows, she had this ability to connect with an audience that was in the studio, and she could connect with you while you're watching TV. She was brilliant in terms of curating. Listen to this one. She was brilliant at curating her guests. She wasn't Maury Povich. She wasn't, uh, what's his name, Jerry Springer. She took on issues that were real issues that were important, issues that impacted literally every person in this country and beyond. And because she did, because she once again had the boldness, because she had the brilliance to do that, she was able by that and her communication style to connect with people in a way that we've never seen before. Now, for those of you that are old enough to remember there was a guy named Phil Donahue uh, who was out there around the same time. There was a woman with red glasses, Sally, Jesse, Raphael. And you know what? They were good. They were very good in terms of what they did. But like Tyler Perry, like Muhammad Ali, and like the others, they didn't stop. She used that simply as a jumping off point and said, okay, well, now what can I do? She, she used every finish line as a starting line. So number one, when we try to break this down and reverse engineer how legends are made, from my perspective, one of the things we know for certain is they are bold, they are audacious, they are brave. One of the things we know is they have the capacity, the ability to block out the noise from the outside. They don't listen to this one because we've all been guilty in our lives. They don't sanction, they don't sanction the comments of people that in their minds don't matter. Now, this is why this is important. Give an example, you go to a doctor and the doctor renders a diagnosis. 99% of people will listen to that diagnosis and go, oh, wow, wow, the, guy's, the guy or the woman, she's got a lot of plaques on the wall. She's got degrees I don't have. She clearly went to school for over a decade. She must know what she's talking about. And you know what? My wife's a doctor. A lot of the times they do know what they're talking about. Most of the time they do. But my wife will tell you plainly, they don't know every time. They do their very best with the symptoms that present themselves, with labs that render certain results. They look at all the information and they draw a conclusion based on their experience. They, are, they have not mastered medicine. It, they, the term is practicing medicine because there is no you know, silver bullet for, that works with everybody every time. But yet, we will sanction that every time. I knew a guy named Lou Tice, Pacific Institute, Seattle, Washington, God rest his soul. Him and his wife, Diane, God rest her soul. Uh, years ago, I'm thinking here, I got involved with Lou. I first met Lou, must have been around 1995, 94. And 
somewhere around that time, his wife had a medical issue and she was diagnosed with cancer, but she wasn't just diagnosed with cancer. She was diagnosed with stage four terminal cancer. And so when that happened, when the first doctor said that, they went to an oncologist and they refused to sanction, to accept the diagnosis, the death sentence that was rendered by the first doctor. They go to the oncologist and the oncologist uh, says something similar. And then they went for a third opinion and a fourth opinion. And at at one point, you know, when, when Diane found herself in the hospital fighting this cancer, I remember Lou telling me that he literally stuck a paper on the door that said, and at that time, of course, anybody could go in the hospital, anybody could visit anybody. But the paper simply said, do not enter this room unless you're going to talk about tomorrow with Diane, unless you're going to talk about the vacation we have planned next year, unless you're going to talk about the uh, vacation cabin that we're planning on building, he wouldn't even let you in the room because he didn't want anything that was going to weaken her resolve, take away from her resolve to not sanction somebody else's comments, but rather to sanction her own beliefs that she'd be okay. Well, interestingly, Um, Lou died more than a decade before Diane. And you could look up Lou and Diane Tice. They literally are famous around the world for the curriculum that was developed, the Pacific Institute. But like that, Oprah didn't sanction anybody's comments. She didn't sanction somebody's comments or beliefs at home that she couldn't be anything. She didn't sanction somebody in Maryland when she got her first job. So she kept going. And she used every success, every finish line as the starting line for her next project, her next win, her next breakthrough. So that's another thing that's, that's I think, evident in all legends. Uh, the third thing is, I think, that stands out in my mind. And, and before I even go there, is there anybody that wants to comment or give feedback on, on what I've shared about Oprah or others though so far, about what makes a legend. I was just gonna say something that stuck out for me with Oprah. She's evolved too with the times when she saw one ending, then she evolved into the Super Soul Sunday and started her own channel. That's right. <laughs> she kept reinventing herself and evolving with the times. What a what a fantastic share. Thank you for calling that out because she has been in constant reinvention. You're right. So sometimes she gets to the finish line and she has the wisdom to be able the vision to see, okay, this thing's, maybe it has legs, but maybe it only has legs for a few months or a few years. What's next? Legends ask themselves constantly, what's next? What do I do next? What can I accomplish next? They don't sit there in their successes and then uh, end up dying there. In other words, that's the last chapter. Think about anybody you know in your life who has achieved some level of success. Maybe it was high school sports. Maybe it was college sports. Maybe it was Olympic sports. Maybe it was the military. Maybe it was business. And whenever you talk to them, they, that's what they talk about. They talk about that success. They bring, you know, 20 years ago, I was this. You know, 10 years ago, I was this. Well, the sad thing is for those people, they're not going to achieve legendary status. Because another thing about a legend, by the way, is they're not one-hit wonders. They're never one-hit wonders. There's no legend who is a Macarena. Those legends stand the test of time and they reinvent, 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 as you just mentioned. Super Soul Sundays, you know, what she did on Apple TV, uh, what she did with creating the, the OWN network, the Oprah Winfrey network. Can you imagine, again, the audacity? She was already a billionaire. She was already mega successful, but the audacity 
to start a television network. Like, hey, Oprah, we don't need one more television network. There's 800 of those freaking things on cable or direct TV. Do we need one more station? Yeah, we do. You don't have the Oprah Winfrey network. And so she created it. So th that audacity and the ability coupled with the ability to reinvent is powerful. The ability to not stick and get stuck on yesterday's successes is powerful. So what else I, I have, does a I want to add one thing, David. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, wow, wow, I'll wow. add this okay, real quickly since, since we're on Oprah. Is that you, Jackie? It is. Real quickly since we're on Oprah. What I love about Oprah, and, and here's what a legend would say. Here's what Oprah said. I was listening to a piece that Oprah was talking, and here's what she said. She said, I have a big life. I have been given much, but I've earned it. See, that's what a legend does. They have a lot. They have big lives, but they earn it. So they don't just get it for free. So I just love that that she said that. Thanks. I love that as well. Thank you for sharing that. Who else happened to say something? David, I was going to comment on something you said about the couple and the stories really quick. Please. Something that um, stood out with me from Oprah's story is she said she knew very early on. I want to say she was like four or five years old and her grandmother was telling her. And when you're in the South, you listen and obey your grandparents. And she's telling <laughs> <No> her. <doubt. laughs> Yes, she was like, you listen to me, Oprah girl. You got a, you know, it was a clothesline. She was trying to tell her what she needed to do. And what Oprah says, she knew inside of herself. That's oh, where it began out. for her. So I just wanted to share that. Wait, wait, wait. I, I, I want you, I want you to please repeat that because you cut out. I think possibly in the most important time of that. Oh man, what were you just so sorry. <laughs> okay, no, she was okay. saying her grandmother was telling her how to fold clothes and wash clothes and the, the right procedures because her she thought Oprah was gonna be a domestic just like her in the South. And Oprah says she immediately, as soon as her grandmother said it, she said it to herself within, cause you know, you didn't back talk back then <laughs> and even now to your grandparents. And she said, uh-uh, that's not gonna be my life. She said it was the first thing that she knew for sure is that she was not going to be a domestic. So I just thought that was just such a powerful share that she was at four, I think she was four or five years old. And when she got that inner knowing that that wasn't going to be her life. So, so one thing that I pull out of that, of several things, and it, and you're hundred percent right. There are many people in this, in this country and beyond this country who had parents, have parents or had parents, but they were effectively raised by their grandparents. And, and they were, they benefited from whether it was the parent or grandparent from learning something, some type of resolve, some type of a lesson that stuck with them. And sometimes you hear about in life, if you got kids, you oftentimes hear about the nature versus nurture um, conversation. Are we the way we are? Uh, because that's kind of the way that we came out. Is it all purely nature? Or is it because we were nurtured along the way to have that type of thinking, that type of a philosophy, uh, those types of beliefs? And most people will say it's a combination of both. But how extraordinary is it that, that somebody had that moment or, at four or five? So one of the things I ask people all the time when I interview them is I wanna know what their defining moments were. And for some people, for Oprah, that defining moment happened when she was a child. Think about that. And it never left, ever left her mind, never left her psyche, never left her soul. So that's very, very cool. Somebody else was gonna chime in, who was it? This is Edie, hi David, thank you so much. You know, I, I think that legends see each other. And if you remember, Quincy Jones was watching television in the hotel room and saw Oprah, and he had some connections with the color purple and decided she needed to be there. She stepped up and went into acting. And then once she started her studios, then here comes Tyler Perry to join forces with her. So I think that legends see each other as well. So uh, that's my feedback. You know, what a great comment that is, everybody. And thank you for sharing that. Who was that, please? This is Edie. Hey, Edie, how are you? Wonderful. Yeah, you made me think of uh, also, uh, you know, Jimmy Iovine at Interscope with, with Dr. Dre. Dr. Dre 
with Eminem, Eminem, you know, with 50 Cent, and on and on. It's a very interesting comment, very important comment, <clears throat> because it, you could say that a legend uh, has the ability to see potential uh, legends in other people, right? And and they don't they don't stop from lifting other people up. There are people in this world who achieve success and will do absolutely nothing, nothing to help the people around them because they fear that that person may take away from their success, may take away from their spotlight, may somehow signal the end of their run. But legends don't look at life that way. I agree with you 100%. Legends get excited about seeing the potential in other people. So that's a very, very great insight. Thank you for sharing. Was there anybody else? Hi, David. Who's Hi, this? Anthony in the orange. I'm, I'm sorry, who's this? Uh, Anthony. How are Anthony you? In the orange. I'm fine, thank you. Great Hi, room and such nuggets of wisdom. Thank you, sir. I, what what stood out, stands out to me with Oprah is she surrounds herself with greatness. She, sit, she sat at the feet of people that have been before her. She used to have them on her show. She would engage them. And she was like always perpetually learning and soaking in those wisdom. Hence, when she then became a kingmaker, where she was able to make people great because she first surrounded herself with greatness. That's what stands out to me about the legend Oprah Winfrey. Thank you for sharing. Wonderful share, Anthony. And it's an extension of what Edie was just talking about. Um, and it's wonderful. I mean, Dr. Phil, uh, you may or may not know, came from Oprah. Uh, and and uh, what's Dr. Oz came from Oprah. You know, and think about, has Oprah sold a few books in her life? Holy moly. She made reading cool. So think about that. She was really the first person as a massive star who made reading cool, that put a spotlight on reading and not just put a spotlight, but she didn't necessarily amplify the books of the world's most famous people, you know, maybe sports stars or music stars that had written a book. No, she amplified the most important stories. And many of them were authors that before Oprah's book club, Nobody had ever heard of them, but because of Oprah's book club, their life has never been the same. So if you're keeping score, if you're writing things down, if you want to reverse engineer, they're positive, they uplift people, they look for greatness, they have the ability to see potential, they're audacious, they're bold, they're brave, they don't quit, they don't give up. They're relentless in nature. So those are just a few of those things that we could talk about, whether it was Oprah or whether it was Muhammad Ali. Uh, you know, people think about it, Muhammad Ali didn't win every single fight. He, like Oprah, he got knocked down, but he got up. He never lost. Here's another one. He never lost faith in himself ever. Uh, and so that's a big one. And by the way, when you were talking about the comment that you just shared, Anthony, you reminded me of the great Magic Johnson, who's another one, uh, Irvin Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson would have never been Magic Johnson. He would have been another great basketball player, but he wouldn't be Magic. He wouldn't be considered one of the top 10 of all time if it wasn't for the fact that he had an ability unlike anybody else. We've never seen that at that time, the ability to make literally everybody around him better. He didn't just make the greats around him better. He made people you never heard of around him better. And he elevated them, he amplified them, and he gave them the opportunity to shine. Legends don't think inwardly, they think outwardly. They always think about what they can do to elevate and to make other people better. So, okay, so let's move on. And before I do, anybody else have any comments?
This has been a great conversation. Thanks to you. Hey, David, it's Cheryl down here towards the bottom. One thought. (laughs) One of the things, there's a story I remember about Oprah. And there was a time where she had invited a personal trainer into her life to work with her. And she showed up late. And he said, listen, my time is as valuable as yours. If you're not going to show up on time, I won't be able to work with you. And she shared this on live TV. And she said he was right. His time was as valuable as mine. And she was willing to look at her blind spots, be incredibly humble. And what I thought was, wow, she's so big and she's so confident, but she's not arrogant. And confidence does not equal arrogance. And she she knows nobody is better than anyone else's, than anyone else. And, you know, it's just something I I really love about her. Two things, Cheryl, and I thank you for doing that. Two things that are critically important about legends. I mentioned just a moment ago, they're not just strictly internal. They just think about themselves. They don't they don't get immersed just in who they are. But but one one of the things you talked about was humility. You know, some of the greatest legends out there, you know, I had the privilege of of meeting Mariano Rivera. Uh, and for those of you that are not baseball fans, I'll share with you who Mariano Rivera is. He's, he's, uh, if, if you know baseball, the term closer is referring to the pitcher that they bring in at the end of the game to close out the game to make sure they can secure the win for their team. Um, he, he was considered and is considered the greatest closer of all time. Now, there are four major sports, major sports, hockey, baseball, basketball, football. And in over a hundred years, each one of those sports have had their respective Hall of Fames. There has never been, you may not know this, there has never been a single athlete ever writers in their sport ever. There's never been anybody unanimously voted into the Hall of Fame until the great Mariano Rivera. He played for the Yankees for years. Nobody has won uh, or or had more saves uh, in uh, uh, World Series. Nobody's had more big games than Mariano Rivera. And when I met him, Cheryl, one of the first things that you noticed, you said a couple things. Um, one was his kindness. He was such a gentle, soft-spoken guy. You would expect the bravado. He's an athlete, for God's sakes. And he's the best athlete of all time when it comes to the Hall of Fame. So you expect this guy to be big and bold and brash and you know potentially arrogant. There's three things, by the way, guys. There's three things that I have no time for, no room for, I don't make any space for in my life. One is politics, one is manipulation, and one is arrogance. I am in my lifetime, I cannot, I cannot resolve, I can't figure out, I can't justify any situation where somebody should have the right to exercise arrogance, manipulation, or politics. I don't like them, and I don't have space for them. Either way, just as a little side note, write this down. Write this down for yourself. I don't currently have enough time to spend with those who I love, who are precious, who are dear. So I will not make any time for people that are negative, who are toxic, and who exercise um, things like arrogance, politics, and manipulation. He was so kind. He was so soft-spoken. The way that he spoke to my wife at the time and myself, like we were literally the only people in this. This was a huge gala for him in New York City. Huge gala, all for him. And he treated us like we were the ones that were being celebrated at this gala. He treated us like we were the only people in the room and the most important people in the room. The kindness and the humility that you're referring to with Oprah is just as legendary as she is when you think about it. 
And you could say the same thing about about uh, Mariana Rivera and many, many other legends out there. They're kind, they're respectful, they have audacity, but they don't have arrogance. Think about that. Those two don't have to go together. You could have conviction and confidence, but you don't need to have arrogance. Excuse me, so sorry. Bring her off. Um, so that's a really, really big one. Okay, so we've talked about, somebody had mentioned Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, you know, probably in all honesty, would not have been the first person that I had thought of, um, but I understand why that person brought him up because how many public speakers, motivational speakers, inspirational speakers have any of us seen in our lifetime? There's been too many to count, for God's sakes, so many. But Tony Robbins did things differently, right? And Tony Robbins did something else a legend always does. He didn't do what Zig Ziglar did. He was a, he was a huge fan of Jim Rohn. Uh, and for anybody up on stage, flash your mics if you know who Jim Rohn is or if you're a fan of yes. Jim Rohn. That's is, why I nominated Tom uh, Tony because of Jim Rohn. Oh, and wait, the shine wait. he gave him. Okay, who who was Shantae? That? Said that I was the one I'm, that I'm, said Tony Robbins Sh because of how much love he used to show Jim Rohn and the mentorship and coaching aspect of success. Okay, so I want you to talk about that. So think about Tony. Think about I mean, and this guy, by the way, if any of you've ever met uh, Tony Robbins, I've had the uh, opportunity several times to meet him. Man, that dude's hand is, his head is bigger than my body and his hand is bigger than my head. It's like the dude is huge. He's huge. So he's literally larger than life. But this guy is an absolute giant uh, amongst people. And so, Shantae, please share with people what you're just talking about with respect to Jim Rohn, because it's another really important aspect of legends, how legends are made. Absolutely. Like, so you think about the enormity of what he means to the culture now and what Tony Robbins has done. I have watched countless hours. I watched his full breakdown interview with Oprah Winfrey. Every interview, there's not one of them that he didn't mention Jim Rohn and what his, he would always say, my teacher, my, you know, my mentor, Jim Rohn. He was talking with Bishop Jakes just in the midst of COVID. Guess who he also referenced? Jim Rohn. You know, he was doing another interview with Ray Dalio. I mean, I can go on and on and on. Pretty much any interview I've ever seen him do that was like an hour plus, he's always referenced Jim Rohn, his books, Jim Rohn. Just he always talked about his coach, his mentor. Like coaching is so important. And I think all great legends are coachable. So that's why I had to I had to bring him up. I love that. So let's think about that, guys. As, uh, as it pertains to how legends are made. Legends, like I said, they don't put the spotlight all on themselves. Legends have the humility, they have the grace, they have the strength, they have the honor, and they have the respect and the consideration to call out people who have assisted them along the way. Legends readily admit that they are not one woman or one man armies. They did not get there by themselves. Nobody gets there by themselves. Nobody that anybody has mentioned has gotten to their level of success in life and nobody we've ever heard of has become a legend without somebody else being involved with it with them without somebody one or more people assisting them opening up doors backing them up talking them into not quitting whatever it might be and legends always always will honor those who help them get where they go so that's a huge one i love that one very very much okay so we're starting to get a picture. And one of the things that I want all of you to gain from this picture that we're putting together, you know, if this was a 
a crime investigation, we would be doing some forensics on on looking into what what happened. How did that accident happen? How did that crime happen? Well, we're doing the same thing. We're using the same approach to deconstruct, to reverse engineer, and in doing so, most importantly, to demystify how legends are made. Because the one thing that I want you to never forget is legends are also, when it's all said and done, when they wake up in the morning, when they go to bed, when they have big family moments, when they deal with family personal emergencies, when they deal with personal or family tragedies, they're people just like you and just like me. They're ordinary people, they're human beings. And the reason I call that out is because there's things that everybody on this stage and everybody listening has in common with every legend that has been brought up. Your people and at your core, when you're dealing with personal tragedies, personal emergencies, challenges, obstacles, happiness, celebrations, you're human beings, you're people. The second thing that you have in common, there's not, they've accomplished extraordinary things. They've achieved extraordinary success. But the way they've done that, humility, conviction, audacity, belief, respect, honor, consideration, all of those things, work ethic, relentless nature, all of those things, their outcome is legendary. The way they got there is completely accessible to every single one of us, every one of us. And I was gonna finish with one more thing. Anybody that you've mentioned and any legend that you will ever be able to think of, at some point in their life, and by the way, before I go there, Mariano Rivera, just so you know, he's a deeply convicted religious spiritual guy. Um, and the funny thing is, is if when you meet him, the last thing he will ever talk about or wanna talk about is baseball. The only thing that he wants to talk about is his community, his, his youth center, the people back where he comes from in the, in the Dominican Republic. He wants to talk about the things that matter. Oprah talks about things that matter. Muhammad Ali spent all of his time when he wasn't talking about himself being brash Muhammad Ali. He talked about things that mattered. He talked about social justice. He talked about equality. He talked about the war. He talked about his beliefs. They talk about things that matter. And, and I love that about Mariano. Again, the humility of this person. But the other thing I've noticed they all have in common, how do you live an extraordinary life if you don't put yourself in a position to create that extraordinary life or to have an extraordinary outcome? Let me explain. Nobody has ever had an extraordinary outcome be rendered from ordinary circumstances. Okay. If I just go to work every day, I clock in, I clock out, I do what I'm supposed to do, nothing more I'm supposed to do, nothing less I'm supposed to do. That's an ordinary existence. An extraordinary life is out of reach for me unless I put myself in, in a position to deal with extraordinary circumstances, extraordinary hardship, extraordinary obstacles, extraordinary defeat extraordinary rejection. Think about that. So you're all human beings. We all are. We all have that, that sense of ordinary, those things that are important to us, to our soul. We all have access 
to things like humility and relentlessness, relentlessness, tenacity, persistence, audacity, belief, conviction in ourself. We all have access, unlimited access. And so when you find yourself in a situation, you know, they raised the interest rates again, three quarters of a percent yesterday in a desperate attempt in an effort to slow down hyperinflation. So far in the first three interest rate hikes, inflation not only has not slowed down, it's picked up steam from 8.1 to 8.6 to 9.1. They're hoping this latest three quarter percent hike yesterday will finally render the outcome they want, which is a reduction. Now get, get this, they want to reduce inflation from 9% highest it's been in 40 years to 2%. Man, that's a long way to go, people. And in doing that, something's going to happen. Maybe by design, maybe it's just an unfortunate uh, outcome, but they're going to slow down the economy. You can't raise rates without and reduce inflation without also simultaneously slowing down the economy. We've already seen some impact, leading edge impact. Imagine it was a hurricane. A hurricane has never snuck up on a human being. A hurricane starts with maybe a rainstorm that gets stronger and stronger and stronger and ultimately develops into a a tropical storm, tropical depression, and then ultimately category one, two, three, four, God forbid, category five hurricane. Doesn't sneak up on you. There's always a leading edge. Well, there are leading edges happening right now because of what's happening with interest rates. What's the leading edge? Well, 40% of people as of yesterday said they are no longer able to save any money from their paycheck. What's the leading edge? Credit card debt is on the rise. What's the leading edge? Discretionary income and, and and the record savings that was in place two years, a year and a half ago is now on the decline. What's the leading edge? Interest rates, gas prices, and other things that we've heard and seen ad nauseum. So guys, maybe right now you're facing some extraordinary dilemmas, extraordinary hardships, extraordinary rejections. This is what legends are made of. Legends are made of being able to look at those things, look directly in the eyes, of that defeat, of that rejection, of that obstacle, of that hardship, and simply say this, is it bigger than me or am I bigger than it? And by the way, like Tony Robbins, I got that, I'll share that, I'm gonna honor uh, the great Lou Tice because Lou shared that with me years ago, years ago. 25 plus years ago. David, is it bigger than you or are you bigger than it? Because here's the secret. You will never ever have the inability. Well, I'll put it a different way. None of us are ever able to overcome obstacles when we believe they're bigger than us. It's just not possible. It's not the way your brain is is wired. Your subconscious is wired. And you have every time the ability to achieve the unimaginable, not just get over the obstacle, but you have the ability to achieve the unimaginable when you believe in your heart that you're bigger than it. So I want everybody to please take note of everything that these the wonderful people on the stage have shared. Every single thing they've shared has been absolutely gold. I want you to please take note of the things that I've shared and I hope that I've added value. And I want you to remind yourself of a couple things today. Number one, I have access to leverage the exact same tools as every legend who has come before me. Number two, I have the ability to leverage the same inspiration, motivation, passion, 
as they did to get where they are. And number three, I can take note of and leverage everything that was talked about today, the literally the things that legends use to become legends. And last but not least, I simply need to answer the question, is whatever I'm facing right now, dealing with right now, is it bigger than me or am I bigger than it? And if you are bigger than it, you have legend in you. You have that potential in you. And if the answer is no, the good news is you still have that potential within you. But to unleash it, you've got to find a way to make yourself bigger than that obstacle. With that, I'm going to wrap it up. Does anybody have a last comment in the last two minutes? Hey, and I hope this has hey, been. Hey, David, Mark yes. in the black. I, yes. I'm not on Clubhouse much anymore, but you had just one of my favorite talks I've ever heard on Clubhouse, and I just want to thank you for sharing this today. I'm a United States Marine Corps vet. I had a pivot during COVID and started my own podcast, and you just reminded me why I pivoted. And I thank you so much for sharing what you shared. It just hit me in the heart. I appreciate it. Thank you, you, man. That was so, so um, appreciated. I, I thank you, Mark, for taking the time to listen, and I thank you for the kind words. Thank you so much. Anybody else? David, real quick, I'd just like to point everybody's thought to if you remember Ali late in his life at the Olympics. He didn't want to, he didn't want to go out there and, and light that torch. Great there's point. Lot, there's a lot of background in there around that. And to see him walk out there with that, with that shiver, you know, that he was fighting, not able to speak, but to step out there after that after that lifetime that we, that we can go back and we could spend another the rest of our lives looking at his it's it's so much in there but for him to step out and light that torch to me is just what you did here today for us in a in a in a, in a reminder way uh, in the way that you deliver is with purpose is with serious passion and with the authority from your lived experience and my friend i believe you are a legend and i appreciate you this morning you're so kind thank you thank you thank you i appreciate that what a fantastic share to end with i had the honor of meeting muhammad ali years ago i had a dear friend sandy sandoval at the time who was working for ea sports and he was the guy that would go out and get the cover athletes. He was the, he was the athlete relation guy. So he dealt with Tiger and he dealt with uh, Barry Sanders back in the day and Muhammad Ali. And, and Sandy had this old Volvo. And I remember, Eric, he hit me up and he said, he said, David, I can't pick up Muhammad Ali. <laughs> he had this I can't old, pick him up in this <laughs> Volvo. <laughs> this That's old, awesome. He had this old beat up 240 Volvo. It looked like a box. And he said, David, I'm sorry to ask, but he said, I can't pick up Muhammad Ali and that. He says, can I borrow a car? So I gave him a a Mercedes S-Class to use to pick up Muhammad Ali. Like, are you kidding? Like, take me two seconds. Yes, please. And as a result of that, I got to meet Muhammad Ali, and I ended up getting a signed glove uh, from Muhammad Ali. And I kept that glove. And I've taken it everywhere that I've ever moved from place to place to place. And about three years ago, Eric, I gave that glove away. Um, and the reason I gave it away, and I get a little choked up thinking about this, is because there's a phenomenal organization in my area called Kairos PDX and, um, uh, and another one called SEI. And they do just such tremendous work in the Portland area. Um, in working with the marginalized uh, communities, with these kids that uh, were not given an equal um, an equal uh, opportunity uh, in schools, with education, with technology, with anything, um, they deal with rent insecurities, food and family insecurities, and these people do extraordinary work. Well, SEI was having an event, and the speaker for the event happened to be Muhammad's daughter, and. And so, um, you know, in the honor of him, thinking about meeting him and, and everything that he's meant to me in terms of inspiration and, and the inspiration that I got from that organization who for, for at that time, 38 years 
has been putting in the work and literally transforming the lives of, of young people in our area, I actually, I actually brought that glove and I gave it to his daughter um, to auction off in a live auction. And, um, and, you know, I could sit here and say that I miss that, miss having that glove, but the reality is it did what it was supposed to do. And by virtue of that guy's extraordinary life, you know, even in death, that guy is having an impact on people in this world. So I'll leave it at that. That's what legends do. So thank you all. I appreciate you. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.